0: Today's episode of Come and Take It is dedicated to the victims of the shootings at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the victims of the shootings in Jefferson, Kentucky, last weekend. We at Come and Take It and the people of Texas stand in unity to say that there is no place for bigotry and hateful violence in our state and in our country. It goes for Texas and it goes for America to the words of that old song, This land is my land, this land is your land, this land was made for you and me. And without further ado... Here's the show. Bing! Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkoski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Since it's early days, Jewish Texans have played a vital and vibrant role in the life and history of the Lone Star State. And this week, we celebrate the unique legacy of Jewish Texas. But first, salsa,
1: red or green? Well, I like a nice tomatillo or guacamole salsa, but uh, naturally, only if it's mild, because uh, my tummy,
2: wah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I am a classic red salsa guy. Um, i I prefer that. Um, and you say guacamole salsa, but uh, in my mind, guacamole and salsa are like oil and water. They're not really. Yeah,
1: good. yeah. It's, it's more like a guacamole. I think uh, a couple of places have like a like a green, like an avocado dip. It's more. It's, it's not a guacamole. Yeah, it's an not avocado thick, dip. We're gonna get so many like like letters. It's, it's, We're gonna get yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> many letters, Sean.
0: You look, look just, I will look, allow. Casa
1: Ole has I, a Oh modest, my gosh!
2: Olive, listen, olive, I, oh, I will allow avocado salsa but not yeah.
0: guacamole salsa oh, okay. yes. all right Guac- Listen, guacamole is a thing in and of itself i'm gonna settle this make it really easy just order the queso <laughs> <laughs> and i'm officially over i'm gonna officially say i'm over mr tums here and his food questions for things he cannot eat or things he does not like i'm done with food sean we yeah, need to find it's, something it's, else
1: Ask favorite Texas peach foods.
0: So. No, how about your favorite turtle? <laughs> What's your favorite turtle in Texas? <laughs> Something like that. Oh, you can't eat turtle. Gives him uh, uh, gas. Gasping. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> From the very beginning of Texas story, the Jewish people have played an important part in their narrative. The contributions have come, often at great cost and in the face of hardship, difficulty, and even persecution. However... Like they have for so many centuries in so many other lands, and like so many other Texans of, of and like so many other Texans of other heritage and origin, Jewish Texans have persevered and thrived. It's not known who the first Jewish person in Texas was.
1: Sixteenth and seventeenth century Spain was historically hostile to the Jewish faith. Most Jews in Spain were of the Sephardic origin who had settled there in Roman times. Now, since the expulsion of the Muslims from Spain in the 1400s, the kingdoms of Spain and Portugal, aided by the Inquisition, had forced Jews to migrate to Africa or to convert to Catholicism. Those forcibly converted Sephardic Jews often secretly kept Jewish cultural and religious customs and were referred to as conversos or sometimes crypto-Jews. It's known that there were several on Columbus's various it's known that there were several of these on Columbus's various voyages, and as many as 8% of the men with Cortez, when he invaded Mexico, were conversos. There's evidence that Alonso de Castillo Maldonado, who was shipwrecked in Texas in 1527 with Cabeza de Vaca, was from a converso family. And if so, that would make him the first person of Jewish descent to set foot in Texas.
2: Or at least on record.
1: On record, right. And—, and you know, given that Cabeza de Vaca was the first person on record of of any uh, white descent, and Estebanico was the first African to set foot in Texas, this makes a particularly historic group of men.
2: Now, the earliest Texas Jewish settlers were conversos. They began settling in the 1640s through the 1680s in the northern areas of New Spain, which is today Mexico, in the modern states of Nuevo Leon, Coahuila, Tamaulipas, and in Texas. The northern frontier of the Spanish Empire was attractive to these families because it was far from the population centers and especially from the eyes of the Catholic Church. The Church at the time still had the Inquisition in place, even into the turn of the 17th century. It's documented that the founding families of Monterey were of Sephardic Jewish origin. Early Spanish government documents state that Luis de Carvajal y de aqueva brought a shipload of Jews to settle that colony, with some being Converso and others, quote, openly addicted to their Jewish doctrine. Settling the remote frontier was apparently more important than religious orthodoxy in those days, and what's more, Carvajal himself was
0: a Portuguese converso in Spanish service. Even today during Lent, families in South Texas, Cojia and Nueva León, eat an unleavened bread called de semita or Semitic bread, which was eaten in pre-acquisition Spain by Sephardic Jews and was carried to New Spain by converso families. The recipe is remarkably similar to matzo bread. This tradition is unique to the border area, far from the populated parts of Mexico. Additionally, in the Rio Grande Valley, chicken is still largely butchered using kosher techniques. Sadly, it wasn't until 1821, with the end of Spanish rule and the foundation of the Mexican states, the Jews were finally able to openly practice their faith. In the years after Mexican independence, small numbers of Jews came to the
1: Texas colonies set up by Austin and others. 20-year-old Samuel Isaacs came to Texas in 1821 as one of the old 300 original settlers of Austin Colony. And it's thought that he is the earliest Jewish American settler in Texas. He had a farm on the Brazos near modern-day Rosenberg and ended up fathering 14 children. This was one more than the patriarch Jacob. He actually served in the Revolution, and he later got into the ox cart trade outside of Houston. Ah, the good old ox
2: cart trade. Adolphus Adolphus Stern was a young German Jew who had forged a passport for himself to come to America. By the time he was 25, he'd had success in the mercantile business and had studied law when he decided to come to Texas in 1826. He got caught up in the Fredonian Rebellion, but by 1832 was a respected and popular businessman in Nacogdoches. Stern officially converted to Catholicism so he could gain citizenship, and in fact, Sam Houston, who had been living with the Sterns when he first came to Texas, was himself baptized by an Irish priest in Stern's parlor. When the Revolution broke out, Stern traveled to New Orleans to serve as an agent for the provisional government, securing supplies, recruits, and funding for both the Revolution and Texas after the Revolution. He became a local government official in Nacogdoches, and later, a
0: United States representative. With Texas a republic, and later as a U.S. state, more Jewish people began to arrive. By 1838, republic records showed that Jews were living in Velasco, Bolivar, Nacogdoches, Goliad, San Antonio, and Galveston. Dr. Joseph Levy was recruited by Stern to serve as a surgeon, first to the Texas Army, and then later in the Texas Navy. Yes, Texas has a Navy. He practiced medicine in Matagorda before his death in 1848. Jacob de Cordova was a Jamaican of Sephardic descent whose family had published the journals of Cabeza de Vaca and who arrived in Texas in 1839. He traveled, extensively through it. he traveled extensively throughout Texas, served as a land agent, helped develop the town of Waco, and helped put together one of the first truly accurate maps of the state. Henri Castro, who we talked about way back in episode one, was a French diplomat of Portuguese-Jewish descent. He assisted the young republic with financing, served as counsel general to France under President Houston, and established a colony of Alsatian-French settlers near San Antonio. The city of Castroville is named after him today. Simon Messina, a Matagorda businessman, founded the town of Brownsville. After the Mexican War, Jewish immigration, first from the United States and then later from Europe, followed largely the same
1: pattern in the early days of Texas. The same broadsides that attracted other immigrants from other countries and from other states attracted the Jews. Texas was seen equally by all of these immigrants as a land of promise with limitless potential. For many Jewish people, especially those in Europe, For many Jewish people, especially those in Eastern Europe, Texas and the United States offered more religious freedom than they'd ever known before. Trade routes, railroad lines, new towns, established communities, and relatives who had already arrived drew Jewish settlers to diverse areas of Texas. When there was a sufficiently large population to form a community, generally a cemetery benevolent society was formed, followed by a synagogue, which would either be formal or informal. Jewish cemeteries were established in Galveston in 1852, Houston in 1854, San Antonio in 1856, Victoria in 1858, and Jefferson in 1862. The first chartered Jewish congregation in Texas was Congregation Beth Israel, which was in Houston, and it was founded in 1859. It began as an Orthodox synagogue, but became a Reform congregation 15 years later. The oldest Reform congregation, which was founded as such— was Temple Benai Israel in Galveston, and it was established in 1868. By the turn of the century,
2: numerous congregations had been organized, from Austin to Dallas and points in between. As was common for the day with many of the different ethnic groups in Texas, rabbis in the congregations, like priests and ministers, served a vital role of unifying and shepherding their communities. Of all the rabbis to serve in Texas— The remarkable Rabbi Henry Cohen of Galveston's B'nai Israel left the most well-known legacy. His service began in 1888 when he was 25 and lasted 62 years. Cohen's time in Texas saw the horrific devastation of his congregation from the hurricane in 1900 when he served as a member of the Central Relief Committee. He ministered to people of all religions. He helped immigrants who arrived at the port of Galveston to find homes in less populated areas, and families in New York slums moved to various regions of the South and Midwest. In 1904, Cohen and Galveston lawyer and orator Leo Levi, who'd brought Cohen to Texas in 1888, helped draft a letter which President Teddy Roosevelt sent to the Tsar of Russia, urging
0: him to cease allowing pogroms against Russian Jews. Cohen helped establish Galveston's Jewish Immigrant Information Bureau in 1907, and was one of the primary leaders of the Galveston Movement, which was an effort to help Russian and other Eastern European Jews suffering from persecution pogrom and pogrom, suffering from persecution in their own lands, resettle in Texas and the American West, away from the overcrowded East Coast cities. By 1914, ten thousand Jewish immigrants had passed through the port of Galveston. Cohen later distributed relief for Mexican immigrants and refugees from the Mexican Revolution. He would later go to Europe during World War I at the age of 54 to serve as a chaplain in the American Army. After the war, he fought against the rising anti-Semitism and racism of the resurgent Ku Klux Klan and won national fame for his efforts to reform prisons in Texas. In the lead-up to the Texas Centennial in 1936, Cohen and Dallas Rabbi David Lefkowitz Interviewed many longtime Jewish residents in Texas and authored the book 100 Years of Jewry in Texas, an invaluable historical document. Cohen died in 1952 at the age of 89, one of the most beloved figures in Texas. One of the other remarkable areas of influence
1: of Texas Jews in one of the other remarkable areas of influence of Jewish Texans is in the mercantile area. Of course, Adolphus Stern was a well known merchant and Jacob de Corvo, and Jacob de Corvo, yeah, and Jacob de Cordova was a successful printer in addition to his land business. Other Texas families prospered in Texas, though. A number of great Jewish a number of great a number of the great Jewish mercantile establishments date from the early years of the twentieth century. These were family businesses where the families set down roots both in the cities with existing Jewish communities and in towns on their own. They usually opened a small store and sometimes, with success, opened larger stores or chains of stores in other towns. Pearl Vision and Zale Jewelry both started this way in Texas. Isaac Kemper was the son of Jewish immigrants, and he turned a small sugar company that his family purchased outside of Houston into Imperial Sugar— one of the largest sugar companies in the world. Department stores were particularly noted for their success of the Jewish businessmen who owned them. R- Riskin's in Eagle Pass, Cohen's in Galveston, Sackowitz in Houston, and Sanger's in Dallas were all were all very successful in their communities, with Sackowitz and Sanger becoming major corporations. Two other Jewish Texans founded a massively successful high-end department store, that became
2: iconic for both Texas and the city of Dallas. Abraham Neiman and Herbert Marcus. Other modern Texas Jews include Ben Taub, who built a real estate empire and became a major philanthropist in the Houston area. He helped establish Medical Center Houston and sponsored the growth of the Baylor School of Medicine. Ben Taub General Hospital is one of the country's leading major trauma centers. Matt Stone, whose mother was Jewish, was born in 1971 in Houston. You may know him as one of the co-creators of South Park and the hip musical, The Book of Mormon. Marvin Zindler, also from Houston, was a pioneering TV investigative journalist who agitated on the behalf of consumer protection, terrorized Houston restaurants with his weekly restaurant reports in the 70s and 80s, and most famously got the chicken ranch, the uh, brothel in LaGrange, shut down. Michael Dell, another Houstonite, revolutionized the computer industry in the early 1990s, and still plays a prominent role in the Dallas and Austin technology scenes. Richard Friedman was born in Chicago, but moved with his family to Central Texas at a very young age. He was a child chess prodigy who decided to get into music in college. He gained fame playing satirical country music, and as a writer, eventually running for governor with his more famous name, Kinky. And lest we forget one of our favorite actors, Dallas native, Stephen Tobolowski.
0: Bing! More than the famous people and notables, though, the 120,000 Jewish Texans who live throughout the state play a vibrant and thriving role in the rich, diverse tapestry that makes Texas what it is today. we have come and take it, celebrate the Jewish Texans, as we celebrate all Texans every week. Shalom and l'chaim. Well, there's a lot here that we could do episodes unpacking on. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh then uh The
1: Neiman Marcus story is a very fascinating
0: one. The Neiman Marcus story is an interesting it's fascinating. Um there's uh you know, the Isaac Storm. It's just one of those You know, we've been doing this now over five years. We haven't. It's funny when you start walking through and pointing out this person was here and this person was there and that was there. And it's like, yeah, we did that. We did that back in episode 144 and that was back in episode 128. Oh, yeah, make sure you don't forget about episode 67. And you start throwing out, you know, you start looking and and realizing just how interwoven all of these stories are and how diverse Texas is. And, And it's the thing I, when people ask me about Texas, I say, you know, it's not the south it's not the southwest it's not the midwest it's just texas mm-hmm. and it's from you know the tejano history the american history the native history and then there's this big influx of immigrants over the years that come in different phases and from different lands and everybody who makes up piece of texas and at the end of the day everybody is just uh you know they're all wonderful texans what a great well, list wanna... of wonderful texans
1: yeah, and what I wanted to show was that the, that the the Jewish Texans have have their footprint in in every era that we've talked about in the past, and we've talked about these people before. We've talked about Henri Castro in our first episode uh, as a representative of French Texans, but he's also a representative of Jewish Texans. We talked about. Cabeza de Vaca and his the four the three men that were with him. Uh, you know, we've talked about all of these people in different ways We've talked about the Texas Navy. We had two episodes about the Texas Navy. Um, so it's just it's very it's very interesting and now now the the interesting part to me on this story was really uh, Rabbi Cohen and the remarkable uh, experience that he brought to Texas. You know, this was a guy who was from England. He wasn't born in Texas. He came to Texas uh, to serve as a rabbi, and he poured into the Jewish community and poured into the state of Texas for 68 years, which is—or, I'm sorry, 62 years, which is just remarkable. I mean, you can't, you can't deny that is— amazing accomplishment um so it's just this is you know we just want to celebrate another another jewish texan uh, of note is the current speaker of the texas house of representatives joe Strauss. you know he is from a jewish family so these are these are people from from the high levels of power down to normal people that you you might meet any day uh you know any day of the week so it's a celebration of we want to celebrate the different groups of Texans, you know, not just the Jews, not just the Czechs, the Germans, the, uh,
0: you know, I don't know if we've done Irish Texans, but we we've talked about plenty of Irish Texans. So well, you know, it's one of those funny things you find out. You know, you talk to somebody in there, like you know, Henderson, that used to be a Russian colony, and you're like, what?
1: What? Yeah. You know,
0: or oh, wow, there's a there was like a whole Swedish colony in Texas, so there's like all kinds of you know every a lot of different reasons and then you know people come to texas for all kinds of reasons Mm -hmm. and as we've seen historically it's almost uh it's always a second chance and people find these have these magnificent second acts in texas so uh you know glad to put these guys on the list what a wonderful list thanks thanks for putting this together sean yeah like every other aspect
2: of that we've been talking about for years now um Texas has a rich history from many different sources. I mean, it's as much a melting pot as any other part of our nation.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing, Scott, is that Texas is not Texas is not solely the Alamo. It's not solely Sam Houston and the and the the Austin colony. It is we are we are where we are because of all of these groups all of the people in Texas that have contributed to our culture and to our state's history and not just one particular group, not just one particular narrative. It is, it is a, it is a symphony
0: of music, not just a solo. So, I want to, want to stress that. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like, and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas podcast, or go to brain staple and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shaw, with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you like the show, be sure to tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes. And that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash podcast, where you, too, can become a come-and-take-a-texas ranger. We hope you'll join us next time and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.